What are you? Treasury? Foreign Asset Control? I'm in the CIA. What do you want from me? Your employers won't know you work for us. People you love won't know you do either. It's gonna get lonely, but it's how we like to do things. Come on, you can do better than that. I can, and I do, and so do the people in my unit. Which unit is that? The one that makes sure we don't get hit again. Welcome to Now Playing's Tom Clancy Movie Retrospective Series. You're not a field man, Jack. You never were. You are an analyst. Analyze that. Join us each week as we watch and review all the film adaptations of Tom Clancy's novels. Welcome to the CIA, sport. Hosted by Jacob. It is an honor to speak to you today. Stuart. No one understands this material better than you. And Arnie. I call it the way I see it. That's my job. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. There's a very real scenario here where we don't get out of this alive. Listener discretion is advised. Start the music. Today, we're discussing... Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, starring Chris Pine, Kevin Costner, Kenneth Branagh, and Kira Knightley, directed by Kenneth Branagh. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and who did I see this movie with? By myself! I'm a podcaster! I do everything by myself! And Stuart. And this is the co-host who thinks himself a poet, but perhaps I'm just touchy, Jacob. So, Tom Clancy in the 2010s. Are you talking about the man or his movies? Well, I was talking about the man and his whole, yes, franchise. I think the video games are still popular, but his worldview didn't keep pace. And in 2013, he, well, officially dies of a heart attack at age 66. But there are the rumors that Obama killed him right after he killed Breitbart. What? Come on. This is a real thing. Obama killed Clancy. I mean, you know, a liberal president. He was on his watch, and Clancy is a known Republican, and he seemed to know a whole lot about industry secrets. What did he know? What was the next book going to be about? We live in a time full of conspiracy, so I think it's just a game for some people. But yes. Did Clancy have Obama's real long-form birth certificate? Is that why he was killed? (laughs) Tune in next week on Breitbart. I think you're on to something there, and I do believe that, again, it could have been for any reason. The FBI did admit that they kept a very long file on him, but they claim it was because Reagan asked him to work in the administration for a little bit. On He was considered for a consulting job because he seemed to know so much. Or did he know too much? For whatever reason, Hollywood cheered because now they could finally make the Jack Ryan movie they always wanted to. Without his scathing commentary tracks. <laughs> Yes, one that looked like Jason Bourne. Let's just make him an action hero. Let's not worry about adapting the books and the politics and all of that stuff about writing reports. Let's just be a spy. It makes me so sad that I'll never know what Tom Clancy thinks of this movie. I would love to hear his commentary track. Spoiler doesn't like it, is my guess. (laughs) 
And yet, how could it be worse than Netforce? I mean, like, Clancy had had worse things adapted to the screen. But yes, he would be very angry, as it seems like almost any creator of a property is, when they get commercialized and bastardized and and impersonalized in such a way. And this definitely feels like, well, we are. We're officially in new hands in that the producer for the last four films, we had the same guy, Mace Neufeld, in all of the other movies. That was the consistent thread. There was always this one guy trying to adapt the books. He's out of the picture and enter Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, who we've seen a lot of his films. He produced Transformers, Mm -hmm. G.I. Joe, Doom, Red, The Meg, Stardust. Okay, so quality stuff. Has he done good movies? Yeah. (laughs) His movies make money. I'm looking at him right now, and he's done Stardust and the remake Ooh. of Pet Cemetery, and <laughs> which is his greatest sin? I probably Stardust. All right, he has made films that I believe uh, some of us recommended or will recommend. Constantine. I did give that a like a pass. It wasn't good, but I liked it. The Stephen King film 1408. I remember really liking that one. We'll get there one day, one year. Red, I guess you two liked Red. I liked Red too. The point is he makes loud, big Hollywood properties and he is not going to want to follow a nerdy analyst who's filing reports on people. Like that's just not the movie he's going to make. Oh, and he didn't. Spoiler alert, he did not make that movie. No, he is in fact not an analyst for this whole film. They at one point are like, you're no longer an analyst. I mean, I think he analyzes some stocks at the beginning, but that's about it. Yeah, for his day job. He has two... Yeah, we'll get into it. It's a very new conception, but borrowing liberally from what Tom Clancy put out there. And so who is going to be the perfect Jack Ryan? I don't think we can have an obvious candidate because no one's been able really to describe uh, what Jack Ryan is or represents. Yeah, I think actually the one who's going to play the best Jack Ryan is John Krasinski, right? Yeah, I was going to say that the best one is probably the one we're not going to talk about very much at all in this retrospective. Yeah, let's say that to the end because that comes after this movie. (laughs) This movie was uh, coming out in... You know, the the height of spy movies, really. It should be said, we've had a renaissance of the genre in the last 15 years. Maybe it's because of 9-11. Maybe it's because of Bourne and Mission Impossible and Jack Bauer on eight seasons of 24. I mean, James Bond entered the Daniel Craig era. That was really the best era of James Bond. And the Fast and Furious series. Oof, I, yes, I get, <laughs> they, they did spyify them out. They, they went from stealing VCRs in the first one to yeah, stopping international terrorists. So I guess, yes, I guess Fast and Furious as well. Like, we just love this genre in the last 20 years. And so what can Jack Ryan do? How can he retain his Tom Clancy soul and yet play ball in this new blockbuster mentality? And they thought it was going to be Chris Pine was going to be able to do that? You know, Chris Pine, to me, seems like the saddest of the Chris's. You know, they always say we got Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pratt and then Chris Pine. And of all of them, Chris Pine seems to be in the most aborted franchise attempts, right? I mean, Trek fizzled. 
they don't have any plans to do any more of them. Jack Ryan, he only got one. Wonder Woman, he's the boyfriend. <laughs> he's going to come out in a second one whenever that does come out in theaters. I'll, I'll say this about Pine. Like, there's those franchise films. And I kind of liked him as Captain Kirk. I, I feel like he's right for that kind of role. But I've liked him in other films like Helen Highwater, I, you know, doing kind of a dramatic thriller type thing. I think he was really good. But yeah, as an action star, uh, yeah, he doesn't really get a chance to show those chops in Wonder Woman. And again, Star Trek's a different kind of thing. Even even though it's J.J. Star Trek and it is very much an action film. Yeah, I mean, he's two movies into the Trek universe when he's given this. And again, I can see him as a rising star. I can see why you would think, particularly if you're making this one a little on the cheap, it's a $60 million movie that's not spending, you know, Fast and Furious money. But you're wanting this to be something. You're not entirely sure, but you're going to throw enough coin to deliver a decent mid-sized movie. Chris Pine is a decent mid-sized action star. I also wanted to say he was my favorite part about Wonder Woman. I thought he deserved an Oscar nomination. He was terrific in that movie. Yeah, I liked him in it too. You know what I never realized though? Is that he's the son of Robert Pine, who was the sergeant on Chips. I knew that he had acting parents. I knew that he didn't, you know, just come to Hollywood with a hope and a dream that he had uh, a little nepotism on his side, whatever that may mean. And his mom was in Masters of the Universe. Oh, well, don't hold that against him. Oof. <laughs> Let's imagine they didn't run him out of town. He got doffed. <laughs> The thing is with Pine is that, again, I associate him, yeah, with kind of action, but he's always, you know, he's kind of the womanizer. And again, because of the roles he played as Steve Trevor and Captain Kirk, but he's kind of humorous. Again, I don't think of him as Jason Bourne, as what Matt Damon did. And so maybe that will work for Jack Ryan, who, again, is supposed to be kind of a nerd, not, you know, a total action star, but I think they're going to go a very different direction ultimately with him in this film. I want to clarify, I like Chris Pine. I just feel bad for Chris Pine because I feel like he was set up as something he never quite became. But when I see him in a film, I'm usually pretty happy. I do think my favorite role of him was uh, Spider-Man and Into the Spider-Verse. But Who does he play in that? The Spider-Man who dies and sings the Christmas album. Oh, yeah, oh okay. okay. <laughs> and then the director here really shocked me. I knew nothing about this movie coming in, I should say. Starring and directing. I did not know this. <laughs> Boy, you want to talk about an odd one. Like, here's somebody that started his career really being hailed as some kind of genius. Like, he is interpreting Shakespeare for a new generation and brilliant Oscar nominations. And by the end of it, I mean... Look, this shows you how bad Thor was. This is what he gets stuck doing. Apparently, his new movie's so bad, they threw it on Disney+. Plus. Artemis Fowl, I don't know what that is, but they were like, we're not even going to mess with theaters. We don't know if they're opening or not. It was coming out in theaters, so, oh, wow, I didn't know that. I remember seeing the posters at theaters, so that just got pushed to Disney. Oh, yeah, it got thrown away. And... He ended up, after this, doing Disney Cinderella. I didn't even know they made a live-action Cinderella. But yes, Sir Kenneth Branagh. When I think of Kenneth Branagh, I think of Shakespeare. And that's why I thought he was a good choice for Thor. I really love Much Ado About Nothing. But I also like his modern stuff. People forget that right between Henry V and Much Ado About Nothing, he did Dead Again. And that was really good. <laughs> 
about a weird psychic reincarnated murder mystery? I don't remember it being really good. I remember it being okay. <laughs> and I remember his Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And again, it has me really questioning. It's one of those where like, oh, maybe you're terrible. Like you know, like a Darren Aronofsky where like you start out and I think, wow, this is guy is going to be a major talent. And by the latest movies, I'm like, do I even want to watch it? And then he did Noah and Mother. Yeah, I just, I don't even know if I want to watch anymore. I'll admit that Mel Gibson's Hamlet is superior to Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. <laughs> Jeez. That might have been the last one I saw in movie theaters. And so while I want to cheer on Kenneth Branagh, I have nothing, I guess, against him. Oh, I, what am I, I'm forgetting. He did the uh, Murder on the Orient Express. That was a recent hit for him. I did see that. Is it good? I keep wanting to see it. It's fine. It's completely fine and forgettable. Yeah, I forgot about bringing it up. So there, that should tell you. It didn't stay with my memory at all. I think it's the only time Daisy Ridley was hired outside of Star Wars. So I kind of wanted to see it. Okay. She's a minor part. I wouldn't see it just for her if there are other things attracting to you. I was just curious if she could ever act well or if she's only bad in Star Wars. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> she's fine. Just like the rest of the movie. It's just <laughs> fine. And so, yes, can Kenneth Branagh connect with the spy genre? I mean, maybe he's got a James Bond movie in him. Maybe he's the perfect person. But I wouldn't think it was the logical choice in 2014 to say this is the guy to, yes, direct and co-star. Yeah, he does seem like a strange choice. I'm trying to figure out what he was trying to do with his career. Was he just trying to make money? I mean, to go from Thor to Jack Ryan seems like a strange choice for somebody who had, you know, he'd been acting in the Harry Potter films. And as an actor, he was very diverse. But as a director, these seem... Far away from his 90s, more personal films. I think the bottom fell out on the Shakespeare audience. Like, that was something we did in the early 90s. And then he just couldn't find... I mean, he kept making them. It's worth pointing out he apparently did a a Macbeth and some other ones. And they just didn't connect with audiences. So he couldn't do the thing that made him popular. And he needed to reinvent. And I'm sorry, but yeah, Thor wasn't it. Him trying his wings as an action director there, complete failure. And what about, you know, we've talked a lot about Kathy, how she never has anything to do in the films. We'll talk about what they do with her. I I feel like, oh, they're going to give her a lot too much to do, maybe. But Kira Knightley, like, was she just coming off of Pirates of the Caribbean? Well, coming off in, like, it's been five or six years. Yeah, I know there was, like, five or six years between some of those sequels, too. I don't know if she showed up in all of them. No, she only was in the first three. Right. And then didn't she appear, like, in five? Yeah, she had a cameo. But the point is that she had gone back to where she started, which was little precious costume dramas. Anna Karenina, you know, like, you would get her to watch Masterpiece Theater, Jane Austen. This is really, you know, where she excels. And so, yeah, the thing that she's going to be some kind of spy babe like Salt or Charlize Theron, like, again, all of these choices may work. If they pull it off, we'll call them geniuses. But on paper, these people attempting to resurrect 80s Tom Clancy's analyst spy sounds like a really weird recipe. It does. I didn't even recognize Kira Knightley in this. She's doing an American accent, and I 
really haven't seen her since 2007. I mean, Domino and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are my last memories of her. Domino is why you would never cast her in an action movie. God, that movie's awful. <laughs> it was not a good Tony Scott film. Oh, he made that? Yeah. Oof. But again, lightning can strike in weird ways, and because they haven't been able to prove themselves in the past doesn't mean that they can't take their modest $60 million budget and do something with it, but... It made no impact on the world. I mean, yes, Arnie, you've already talked about it. We mentioned that we were going to do this series building up to this theatrical release. And again, it meant canceling Christmas. There was a lot about it on the schedule that I was like, ah, the reading all those books. <laughs> I was hoping that we wouldn't do it. We decided not to do it. And nobody else seemed to do it either. This movie made $50 million, which I would call... A very big disappointment, if not a flop. It costs 60 to make, so you gotta look at this as a money loser in theaters that probably has broken even over time on video. But do you know anyone that saw this? Have you guys seen it? Well, that was my question for you guys, because we decided not to do it back in 2014. I didn't bother seeing it. I didn't want to see it. I never wanted to see it, but here we are doing this retrospective, so I have to. So I never got around to it. Did you guys? Nope. Let's say I was Shadow Recruit curious. I never actually dipped my toe in the pool. It's one if it was on TV, you would have sat on your TiVo for about six years, like some other films, right? Well, I kind of felt like we'd always get around to it, or maybe one day I would be that bored. What surprised me, though, is in 2014, there were still a lot of franchises we hadn't covered, and whenever there was a new installment, our listeners, and I love them for it, their enthusiasm, would always say, why didn't you do this series? Why didn't you do this series? How many listeners demanded Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit? I think it was zero. Mm. I really think not on social media, not in the forums when we had them, not on email. I don't think I ever saw anyone say, I saw Shadow Recruit, you should do that series. So I, <laughs> I don't know if this movie actually exists. We should have been known that it, coming out in the third week of January is never a great sign of confidence by the studio. Ooh, a January release, really? They moved it last minute. It was a Christmas Day release and then all of a sudden it wasn't. So yes, it, there were signals to tell you for whatever reason that this wasn't going to be top shelf. This wasn't Skyfall. But again, Jack Ryan has never been in a James Bond mode. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be successful in their quirky aims of doing something new with the character. The other thing that really shocked me, again, knowing nothing about this movie, I push play an hour 45 minutes, the shortest Jack Ryan film. Mm, I stood up and applauded. I mean, I had to do the commentary, so it was really like a three-hour and ten-minute movie, but like, no book for you to read, Stuart, no extras, yeah. Recommend already, <laughs> huh? It made me, and again, I mentioned this last week, I do feel like unshackling all of that sprawling technobabble and just allowing the bits of the character that matter to be in a modern day situation is a great idea. That is the way to portray Jack Ryan in 2014. I can't wait to talk about this plot if it's modern day. I feel like we've already talked about this plot. Okay, let's do that then. Arnie, give him the plot and we'll get through Shadow Recruit. While Chris Pine hopes to succeed where Ford, Baldwin, and Affleck failed by playing Jack Ryan in a series. But here he's an American getting his doctorate at the London School of Economics? 
but his studies are cut short when the 9-11 attacks happen, and Ryan drops out of school to join the Marines in defending the United States. His chopper is shot down, and Ryan has a severe back injury. He has to go through physical therapy given to him by medical resident Kathy Muller, played by Kira Knightley. At the VA hospital, Ryan is approached by CIA agent Thomas Harper, played by Kevin Costner, and Harper recruits Ryan to work for the CIA as an undercover economics analyst. Ryan will finish his doctorate degree in economics and go to work on Wall Street, keeping an eye out for any strange transactions that may fund U.S. enemies. After 10 years on this job, Ryan, now living with Dr. Kathy Muller, finds oddities in the account of Russian billionaire Victor Shevarin, played by Kenneth Branagh. Harper sends Ryan to Moscow to investigate. In fact, Shevarin had been asked by the Russian government to economically cripple the United States, but to do so in a way where Russia is not blamed. Shevarin has invested heavily in the United States with the intent of pulling his billions of dollars out at the last minute, devaluing the U.S. dollar and crippling the U.S. economy. And to make it even worse, Shevarin is going to do it after a terrorist bomb he planned goes off on Wall Street. The combination of another terrorist attack in New York City and the loss of his investments would send the United States into the Second Great Depression. But Ryan, aided by Harper and Harper's team, discovers Chevron's plan when Ryan hacks Chevron's computer. Harper and Ryan race back to the United States to stop the bomb, and Ryan finds the bomb being planted by Chevron's son, Alexander. Ryan gets the truck carrying the bomb and drives it into the East River, killing Alexander. And the Russians execute Chevron for his failure, as Ryan is commended by the U.S. president... And credits roll. Okay, so the title would tell you this is going to be all about Jack Ryan, and we're going to get a full backstory, a full origin for this character. It's really just 12 minutes. It's really just like the little, uh, you could almost call it a montage of his life starting at 9-11 to the point that he meets Kevin Costner, and then that's all we're ever going to get. I feel like we got the entire movie Born on the Fourth of July in 12 minutes. I liked <laughs> yes. that. And he doesn't just meet Kevin Costner. Now he's meeting Kathy even earlier in his career. Like, when we get the next Jack Ryan reboot, they're going to be like elementary school friends or something, I feel, at this point. <laughs> yeah. Is Chris Pine younger than Ben Affleck at this point? No, he is older. Chris Pine would have been 34 when this movie came out. Really? Okay. Okay. I mean, Ben Affleck felt young as well, but there's something very boyish. Yeah, Chris Pine feels even younger. Yeah. And it's, it's again, that's a credit when he's playing young Captain Kirk. I think that works for him. Here, again, they're going to try to turn him into James Bond, and we'll, we'll talk about it. All I'm asking in the beginning is, is this all you ever needed to know about a character? Is this enough for you to be endeared to a character that five movies in... I don't think any of us have ever cared too much about. Do you like Jack Ryan seeing the story of a, a man who dedicated service to his country and broke his back? I don't know that I know Jack Ryan from this opening. I mean, we're introduced to him and he's in London for reasons. Chris Pine himself doesn't seem like a person who would move to London or study economics, but I'll get past that. Which was the same problem with Ben Affleck. He felt more like the jock than the nerd. And then... That he would jump into military service at 9-11, though. I like that. I like that as a character trait, that he is going to drop career plans and everything and try to defend the country. And he is portrayed as a hero when his chopper goes down. He pulls out two survivors. And 
he succeeds where Tom Cruise failed. I kept thinking he was trying to be Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt in this movie, but Tom Cruise never got up and walked again and born on the 4th of July. But if given a reason to, Jack Ryan was going to walk again. Yeah, he wants that date with Kira Knightley. Here's the thing. I think all of this is valuable information. As it was originally written, the intent, the reason why it's only these little bits... And we don't get like a full understanding about seeing that chopper go down and all of that stuff. It's just like quick flashes. It was always intended that we would be following the story and he would have flashbacks. And that we would be jumping back and forth in the timeline. They ended up deciding that was confusing. And so instead they took what was only supposed to be little bits interspersed throughout the movie. And tried to construct a story that to me feels incomplete watching the 12 minute version. It's strange that it's so fast. I would think it would be 30 minutes, you know? I think it would be the whole first act. And they do it even before the titles come up. It feels like an extended prologue, which then makes this movie only 90 minutes. No, this is called Shadow Recruit. I thought we are going to see a lot of headhunting, but Harper, Kevin Costner character, walks in and, like, the first 10 minutes just says, hey, you're going to join the CIA and go undercover. You're going to be our Shadow Recruit. They get to it very fast. They get to it like this were the pilot of a TV series. This feels like how you would do it if you were doing the Jack Ryan show. Like you just, we got to get through all of this, blah, 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 and now we can go have the episode. Like that's the kind of pacing. And that's unfortunate because I do feel like I've never really connected with Jack Ryan. I want to connect with Jack Ryan. This is the movie to do it. So take your time and have us see his whole journey from economic student to soldier to CIA analyst. You are not alone, Stuart. My problem with these Jack Ryan films is he always seems like the least interesting thing. And I guess it's the writing. I don't know how you fail after five films to make a character that you're interested in. There's lots of one-off films where you're able to create a protagonist that I'm into. They have not been able to do that with Jack Ryan. But I think, Stuart, you said it best. At this point, spy thrillers are the thing. And that's about the plot. That's about the espionage. It's not about the person. And so would you want to take this series and transform it entirely into the CIA version of Training Day? Maybe the answer is yes, but it would be a much riskier film than the safe one that they put out. All I'm saying is we got a lot to choose from if we want to go watch a spy movie. And what does this guy have? The only thing I can think of is they have a whole lot of books that sold a lot of copies to your grandfather. And now we can take whatever appealed to him and resell it like they did with Star Trek in a way that the youngins are really going to respond to. But I feel like you have to, I mean, his Kirk took some time to get on that enterprise. And I felt like all the building up to that uh, was good and needed and allowed me to get on board. And here, taking what was meant to be tiny little flashbacks and saying, no, this is his story. Again, it feels really stripped down to the point of being unessential. The fact that they're going to introduce the stuff with Percocet here just, I think, so they could set up later on in the movie when he's trying to pretend he's addicted to drugs. It just feels like nothing's natural here when they're trying to set up his character. I thought they were trying to show him as overcoming. He overcame addiction to painkillers. He overcame his inability to walk. We never saw him addicted to the painkillers, though. He just asked for two one time. Yeah, but we're told he has to wait two minutes to take them. Told we're not shown, though. Eh, we were shown him asking. It's... 
<laughs> That's not shown. Given all of the problems that all of our soldiers that have come home have had, that have been in the news, his story is familiar. We can generalize that he is like so many that come back from Iraq or Afghanistan. And so, again, it's just shorthand. And that's fine if you're jumping into a really complicated story or a TV series where it doesn't really matter and, and we'll have lots of time down the road to learn more things. But for a movie that's launching a character for a new franchise, I think you want to give more consideration to your star. It's rushed, for sure. And my head was spinning when, after a short conversation with Kevin Costner, I'm like, wow, Paul Kent is in this? I did not realize. That's who he is to you, Paul Kent? Well, he is these days. I mean, he used to be Robin Hood or Field of Dreams, but... No, he'll always be whatever he was in Field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like he is the American man of the 90s. Like, there's an actor who only exists to me in the 1990s. Or Dances with Wolves, which, yeah, feels like American history. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like he was our iconic star. And then, like, he just stopped making movies. Like, I just, I don't even know what he's been doing. But yeah, okay, Superman's dead, whatever that means. That they're dragging him out here, I think, is a way to restore the nobility of the CIA. He's actually going to have to apologize for waterboarding in these opening scenes of like, I know you think we're terrible people, but I'm Kevin Costner and it wasn't my unit that did that. So sign up, you know, don't worry. Don't bring your conceptions about shady shadow government politics into this. Jack Ryan is joining a good institution is something they're trying to sell by casting Kevin Costner as his boss. Okay, so let me understand something because I'm not sure I do. The CIA is recruiting Jack Ryan, which means he's going to get a paycheck, but they're going to then also give him a college or graduate school PhD education. They're going to pay for that. Then he's going to go work on lucrative Wall Street and also get a paycheck there. Yeah, I, I don't doubt this happens. <laughs> I, I feel like this is what the CIA probably does. Oh, yeah, you're essentially talking about creating a mole. Like, yeah, you essentially are a corporate person. But every now and then, if we have a question about what might be going on, you are going to look at their confidential private company files and tell us what we need to know. But don't you think that would be an informant? You wouldn't actually hire somebody to work 10 years not producing any fruit at all for 10 <laughs> years on Wall Street. Once in a while, you guys go to a movie together so he can slip you some papers. I mean, he's getting a PhD. It could have taken him 10 years just to get that PhD. <laughs> he, he was only a semester short. He, that's one of the things. He was that close? Yes. And then he went to war. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you, Arnie. It's a really weird thing to ask. It's kind of fun in the sense that it creates a character with a double life. It's kind of like Mr. and Mrs. Smith of, oh, we have a boring life and then we have like this exciting thing that's happening beneath. It creates good tension, but is that really good policy for the CIA to do that? It's the fact, and look, I understood this plot, what the Russians are trying to do, but the fact that, what, he opens an Excel file and it's just like, you know, <laughs> we don't know who did these funds. It's unlisted. Like, that seemed very not thought out well. Yeah, and the, here's the thing. All right, I work for the CIA. I want to go to Russia and look into these files. No problem. We have unlimited resources. We'll send you there. Hey, but I also work at Wall Street, and I have to ask my boss, can I leave my cubicle and go to Moscow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I audit 
again, these companies, I don't know, like, do stock traders go to Coca-Cola and audit their files? No, I don't have the budget for that. (laughs) Well, I did like that he was a compliance officer. He's not a trader, as in T-R-A-D-E-R, not T-R-A-I-T-O-R. Do U.S. compliance officers have any say what goes on in Russia? No, it's company compliance. It's like he's making sure that the firm where he works is compliant with laws and not violating insider trading and not violating anything that could get them in trouble with the SEC and all of the various organizations. And so the company can audit its customers to make sure that they are not doing illegal activity. And that's what it is, is a private business audit of a customer. That customer just happens to live in Moscow, but is doing a lot of business with the U.S. But I don't understand how he's doing business with this company, but the company where he's doing the business doesn't know where the money is. Mm. I'm not a finance expert. I did not get a doctorate in finance. You didn't go to the London School of Economics? I did not. So maybe this makes perfect sense. If you are a CPA out there who understands this, feel free to drop it on Facebook and I will nod and go, okay, then they do know what they're saying. I don't know what they're saying, but I at least can go with compliance officers would have a little bit more power than just a stock trader. I get it. Wave a hand. We got to go to Russia for some reason. Here's my question. And Stuart, whatever extras were on this DVD, you watched them. Why are we doing Russia again? Like the IRA is the most novel. And I guess the Colombians like were the most novel they've gotten with these plots with getting different enemies. Everything else. Russia, Russia, Russia. Feel like I'm in the Brady Bunch with Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah, well, yeah, the, there is a commentary track. It's got the producer and Kenneth Branagh on it. And they were very excited because they said everything here is something that everyone in 2013, 2014 can relate to. Really? We were worried about the dollar crashing? Well, here's the thing. Uh, th- this movie is going to talk about a hurricane hurting our economy. I mean, that was... 2005 and then there was the housing collapse of 2008 and there was the recession of 2002 and i guess another one in nine 2009 yeah right 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 i mean these things were happening within a decade of this movie but did it actually have its finger on the pulse of 2014 um maybe not as much as these people think that they have but yeah they were very proud of this and again russia i don't feel like russia had a weather dominator that created Hurricane Katrina. No, but Obama was having issues with the Russians, and the Russians would play a even bigger part in American life in just a couple years after this film. Yes, exactly. I don't want to get too much into conspiracy. People have their political views, but I think very much the threat of Russia rose again with Putin coming back to power. Remember, he left and then he came back and he's kind of installed himself for life and has been making moves that have made a lot of people nervous on the world stage. Oh, I I get that with Putin. But at this point, I don't care if this is a documentary. I'm just sick of Jack Ryan and Russia. Well, okay. You're saying you want to separate this character from Russia. I get that. You feel it's played out. But to me, Tom Clancy doesn't make any sense if you're not talking about Russia. He was never any good at understanding anything else other than Soviet politics. Like, that's why his biggest books, biggest successes were all in the 80s and early 90s. That's where you would want to keep a character of his, because if you took them out of that, 
I'm not sure how how their thinking would work. I mean, it, it formed so much of the characters' analysis. I mean, obviously, our CIA and all of that, they, they're thinking about other enemies than Russia, Russia, Russia. But keep in mind, when people are thinking of Tom Clancy, the one thing they're thinking of is the hunt for Red October. Not just his books, but in movies. If you are going to create a rebooted Jack Ryan franchise, I think you would want to harken back to Red October. I understand that we have watched these in quick succession, and so in the span of five weeks, we've been to Russia three times, but these movies were spaced decades apart. Yeah, that's fine. You're going to get my grandpa to go see this then. You're not going to get me, and that's why none of us went to the theaters. I didn't even know who the bad guy was until I pushed play. I had no idea this was about Russia until I watched it. But we're all saying the same thing. This feels of a different generation. I'm not saying that. No, I agree. I'm saying that, in fact, while it looked like Russia had sailed off into being a failed state, they have emerged on the world stage now as a threat in 2010s. And so that they want to get back to this feels like they're both getting back to, yeah, Clancy's biggest success and to a threat that we know very well, but uh, had kind of forgotten about. And who knows, maybe Kenneth Branagh just wanted to try out this accent, because he is playing a Russian mobster, we can tell from the arm tattoos. Yeah, and they do get a real-life defector in this film. Yeah, that was a really fun cameo that they have, Barishnikov. I was shocked. My wife is like, is that Barishnikov? I'm like, how did you just pull that out? Like, we had to stop the film, look it up. He's uncredited, but yeah, it really is him. He's Kremlin. He's the one saying, we don't care what you're doing, Mafia. Make us money. That'll be great. But do not get us involved in the politics. You're on your own. This is a private enterprise, whatever you're doing. They're hiring him or implicitly asking him to hurt America because America is trying to allow Turkey to build an oil pipeline. And if Turkey builds this oil pipeline, Russia will lose its monopoly. And we get Barishnikov saying America has declared economic war. And so that's what we have here. Yeah, I didn't get all the stuff with the pipeline. Again, I, I, I understood the plot with the currency and all that. But yeah, all this gobbledygook about a pipeline and economic war. It's enough of it's there to move the plot forward. It's just their motivation. It doesn't actually ever come up again. It's just the inciting incident to piss off the Russians to try to harm us, but distancing themselves by getting this mobster to do it. And of course, if your hero is an economics major, you, you, that the economics of things has to be central to the whole terrorist plot. I don't know if economics majors wrote this script. I'm not one, (laughs) but it feels like it's just like a lot of this, just shorthand, just code for saying, well, that's why it can only be Jack Ryan. Nobody else in the CIA understands this. He wrote a paper once, so they're going to hire him and call him up. He's always just written a paper about whatever the movie's about. Sure, again, analyst. That's that's what he does best here. But now they're going to say something different. Now they're going to say, hey, we actually need you to go to Moscow and really investigate what these accounts, why they're buying up all of this U.S. currency and what they're hiding. 
and shell companies. Yeah, he's told he's going operational. He's not just that analyst anymore. Now he is James Bond. James Bond, but I'm sorry. The thing that's so cool about the Bourne movies is they really went to the real locations. There was something about the Paul Greengrass era movies where like you felt there. And so they're going to do that. They will actually film in Moscow. This is not Canada with some CGI. They actually are going to go on location, try to do some real stunt work, parkour stuff. They're going to try to compete with a Bourne movie at half the price. And you can feel that they are actually there. The scenery, I was feeling the travelogue moment as Jack Ryan is getting to Moscow and being like, oh, look at that church. Oh, look at the Kremlin. Yeah, it's an important thing to do. It always helps me. Even in James Bond, that's always a fun thing to see where he's going to go. The travelogue is a part of it. And so that he's going to Moscow, it does feel dangerous. It does actually feel like, oh, can we go there? And don't you get compromised when you do that? Like go to a hotel and they get you in a bad situation? I mean, yeah, I think that there's some modern thought on what traveling to Moscow means. You know, as he's getting ready to go to Moscow, this is where, again, they're going to bring Kathy way more into this story and you're going to get all this stuff. You know, she finds a ticket stub because he has to go to an old-timey movie theater to do all this secret CIA stuff and hand off information and she's going to question him about that and now she wants to go to Paris and have him meet her after he goes to Moscow. So again, they're already implanting Kathy to be a much bigger part to the story than they have previously as he gets ready to go to Russia. I will say this cheating subplot from the ticket stub to the why are you in Moscow felt really off to me. They've known each other for 10 years he goes to Moscow. He keeps saying, I love you. It does not feel like he's off on a romantic liaison in Russia. Yeah, every time she's like, are you cheating? He's like, come on, just marry me. Obviously, he's into you. Like, <laughs> I never question his fidelity. Well, haven't you seen The Wedding Singer, Jacob? I have. How, how are you going to tie that into this? <laughs> well, because Gulia wanted to marry Julia so that he could cheat on her more and then have a woman to go home to. True. I, I guess if that is the basis of your reality <laughs> wedding singer, you could go with that. <laughs> I, I don't think they're wrong to give Jack Ryan a foil. I have said that the best Jack Ryan movies are where he's working in partnership with someone that's also cool. Sean Connery, Willem Dafoe. Jack Ryan is too dull not to have someone to partner with. And Kevin Costner's got low energy. I mean, that's not going to work. He's Kevin Costner, and that's cool. But we really need to give him a foil. They've made the big gambit that it's Kathy, and I think it's where the movie really fails. It's really unfortunate that they think that they can now turn this eye surgeon into someone willing to go to Moscow and join in on all the duplicity and spying. And I just don't buy it. I don't buy Kira Knightley's performance. It doesn't seem like the right thing to do with the character. No, again, I, I get it. It's 2014. Women could kick ass just as much as men. But you're taking a doctor, like a doctor doctor, and she's going to be Angelina Jolie or Charlize Theron type spy by the end of this. Again, a, a bridge too far for me. It's crazy. It is. It really is. It's You know what they're doing is true lies and not as well. There was one moment here that confused the shit out of me is Kevin Costner's like, okay, Kathy, you're going to be our spy and you're going to seduce Kenneth Branagh. And then we cut and it's the next morning and Kathy and Jack Ryan are in bed together and kissing and he's saying he loves her. I'm like, did we skip the dinner? 
Everyone, this is why I didn't want flashbacks throughout the whole movie, because this confused the hell out of me. Moreover, did the CIA buy her that ring? It's got a tracker in it, we'll find out later. Uh, they are engaged or they aren't engaged? I thought Ryan wanted to get engaged to her this whole, every time she's like, are you cheating on me? He's like, come on, just marry me. I love you. Yes. The, the flashback would tell us that the, it is reality that he gave her a ring on their third anniversary, which would have been a while ago. But, like, for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to marry her, which is meaningful because... Wait, so she's had this ring for seven years? Did the CIA give him this ring originally? They're like, hey, whenever you get engaged, just give her this one because, you know, if anything bad happens, we'll be able to find her? It's like Jimmy Olsen's watch to call Superman? <laughs> yeah. And again, the reason why he wants to get married is that he's this loner character. He, I always have to do everything alone and he wants to be with someone, but he can't tell her what he really does until they get married. So it will be very bizarre later when she finds it all out and, and arrives at a Moscow. And again, they're making it fun and, and about a romantic relationship, which Clancy never wrote about very well. And so, again, it, it feels like concessions you would make to a audience of non-readers and people that don't care a thing about Hunt for Red October. But I don't feel like it works very well. What does work very well for me is when we get to Moscow and I think, oh, okay, so we're going to have a lot of scenes of him looking through laptops and all of that. And right away, we have this odd job looking fellow who's like shooting him as soon as he walks into his hotel room. This was exciting. Is it? Again, because I'm thinking Jack Ryan, the fact that we're going to get a Jason Bourne style fight, like I, I feel like they're trying to shake that camera like Paul Greengrass would and that... This is a guy, look, we don't see his whole career. Maybe if they went with that idea of the flashbacks, we could see more of what he did as a Marine. But what do I know? He got shot down and had to learn to walk again. And the fact that he's pulling this fight off like he's Henry Cavill in that Mission Impossible film, it's hard for me to buy into it that this is just an analyst. Well, I guess what I'm saying is because he's just an analyst and I've traveled a bit, I imagine being on a work trip and suddenly having the person showing me to my room like pull a gun on me as an exciting phenomenon. Yeah, do you think you're going to pull these moves off? Oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. No, I'll be dead in that tub. I will not get the man drowned in a foot of water. But again, this is where they start to try and do the Jason Bourne kind of stunts where he kills you with a magazine and you're just using household appliances and what have you. Incorporating them into the fight is a part of the fun of that series. And here, I want to compliment the movie that it gets things going. And I do think, oh, my God, if I suddenly were in Russia alone and he calls in and they're like we'll go meet at the alpha location he's like i don't even know where that is like that's a fun thing to play with i think that is a great scene where yeah he has to call into the cia and set up someone to come clean up the room and they're like go to this location he's like begging them to give him the address because he doesn't remember like i think that's a great little scene i wish we got more of that kind of stuff i like that scene but the fight itself is really poorly staged and poorly edited because at one point, the attacker falls on the ground and hits his head. And then the next thing I know, he falls and hits his head on the toilet. And then the next thing I know, there's all this brown stuff around the toilet. Is there shit everywhere? I was wondering that. Yes. Like, was there a big deuce in that toilet that didn't get flushed yet? <laughs> I backed the movie up twice because I really wanted to know what this brown shit was. I think it's what's inside the toilet 
but we didn't really see the toilet break, so we barely got a look that what's inside, like, the porcelain is that brown shit, and it just, like, dusted everywhere. And then Jack Ryan pulling a Spider-Man move somehow mounted to the ceiling in the shower so that he can jump down like a spider monkey? What the fuck is this? I couldn't tell exactly where they were, what was going on. They seem to be literally running in circles because the bathroom has two doors in this suite. I'm literally lost, and that robs me of the action. I like the moments after, and I love thinking about what that cleanup crew was like. Like, did they have to match the tile? Did they work with the hotel at all? Did they run to Lowe's? See, I'm more interested. Like, how did they fix the tile? Yes. Like, They put chocolates on his bed. Did they have just a little box of C's candy for these kind of operations? Like, yeah, I want those kind of details. That's where my mind is going. I'm not thinking about this fight. I think we're all agreeing that the setup around this is all kind of good. What you're saying is the action choreography is not thrilling you, and I won't argue that it is good. It's kind of par for me. My favorite moment is when they are, like, in the Superman 50 show, because he tries to shoot the gun at the guy, and there's no bullets, so he throws the gun at the guy. Much like in the Superman show, they'd shoot Superman, it wouldn't do anything, so they'd throw the gun at him and he'd duck. But beyond that, I was surprised he killed the guy, though, with drowning. I'm like, is he going to get information from this guy? Maybe I saw Jack Ryan shadow recruit, but I never saw Jack Ryan assassin ready to just drown this guy to death. Yeah, all that stuff that director from the last film was proud of is throwing out. Like, the fact he's like, oh, yeah, Jack Ryan doesn't kill. He never gets anyone here. I'm proud of that. Like, here, they're like, fuck that. We're throwing that all out the window. I think that's wise to do. Again, the fact that they established that he went to war, it means something. If they'd done what they originally planned, if they had cut from this scene back to where he might have fought on the battlefield, I don't know what that would have looked like. Would that have worked for you to go back and forth and and essentially have the past vet and prove why he can get through the scene that he's in? Yeah, if they're going to turn Jack Ryan into Jason Bourne, I want to see why he has these skills. Especially, again, he's he's like that Christian Bale Batman in in the third film. He had that broken back and he came back. Like, show me that journey somehow so I have a better idea of who this character is because he is radically different than all the Jack Ryans we've seen before. I would find it way too convenient if every time in this movie we were about to be shown something new he does, we're flashing back to another area of his life to see the exact exact reason he has this particular skill. I like that we're not interrupting the Russian action to have all these flashbacks. I think that would have been a poor way to do it, and I'm guessing that the filmmakers and test audiences agreed, and that's why we have it edited the way we do. It may be perfunctory in the beginning, but it's better than to constantly break the flow of the current film. Yeah, I tend to think that the best thing this movie has going for it is you now have a guy who doesn't know what he's doing, who's more economics major than assassin, now having to fumble his way through the mean streets of Moscow, which, again, they look pretty scary at night. The thing is, I guess I just want more of that analytical or just more of that real-life side. If this is a Clancy property, when Ryan finds Harper in Russia and, and Harper's like, got this dog, and he's like, oh yeah, I just stole it from someone's yard, so I just look like a regular person walking around and they'll find it in the morning like it's those kind of little details that suck me in not so much these fights and that so they got to set themselves apart from jason bourne and james bond and all those other spy things so yeah go a little bit more thinky and that doesn't seem like what they want to do here yeah when he finally catches up with kevin costner it's a good joke 
Like the fact that he's like there pretending to walk a dog that he just stole is is funny. And again, we weren't laughing. I don't ever remember laughing much in any previous Jack Ryan movie. The fact that they've introduced romance and humor and average guy qualities, I think it is helping me get some into Jack Ryan, even though a lot of this feels contrived and, and still kind of surface. Conceptually? It feels like it should work, but as it plays on the screen, it, it's not working the way I think they are hoping it does. It works well enough for me. I like Kevin Costner. Every time Kevin Costner comes into this film, I feel like it's elevated. Like, whatever he's bringing as the experienced CIA agent is helping ground this film in a way I don't feel when Chris Pine is sticking to roofs and fighting people. And the deeper we get into this film and the more we find about Harper and Harper's team, the more it does feel like a Mission Impossible film to me by having that entire team of specialists, but also the more I enjoy the action that's going on. Yeah, I I like Kevin Costner in this movie, but to me, he works in the same way Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones works. He it doesn't work in the same way as Willem Dafoe or Sean Connery, where it's like they really need each other. Like it just feels like Harper's there just to help out when when this kid is getting in over his head. He does feel like a babysitter and a savior, whereas I think he would have his more experienced agents be doing some of this stuff and just giving the data to Ryan to be like, okay, we hacked this. What does it mean? Not, you go in and hack this. Yeah. We'll escort you from the airport to the hotel. We won't let Chevron's men like try to assassinate. They could do a better job of protecting him. I definitely feel like since they only really need him to open up some files, then that's what he should be doing. And I do like when he finally meets Chevron, like Chevron's like, oh, where's your bodyguard? Oh, I don't know. He's ah, sure he'll show up. Like, you know, he knows. But I like how he kind of plays it. And I, that little bit of tension there. There's already like a new hire. Like there's Limkoff, the blonde guy is there to replace him. You know, I thought he knew, but then and that would mean he would know Jack is a CIA agent. But then later he gets really stupid about stuff. So I think he doesn't know Jack's a CIA agent. No, I think he just gets stupid about stuff later. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the later. I'm talking about the now. And what I'm saying is now I like the tension. Now it does feel like a chess match. And yeah, they, they both know that the other is dirty, not on the level, but they can't call it out. They have to pretend that this is just a routine audit. And oh, by the way, I just sold all those companies. So no need for you to be there. Great. Let me take you to dinner. All this stuff, this interplay is kind of fun. Yeah the fact that he knows he keeps saying your wife's here and ryan will correct him oh it's just my girlfriend and yeah the fact that he knows she's there before ryan even does like that tells you okay this is someone that's scary he knows a lot and that's where kira knightley just shows up in russia all of a sudden if you can't go to paris go to moscow i've been to paris i'd probably rather go to moscow now because i haven't been there and there's a lot of sightseeing my father went took some great photos i'd love to go so I think the movie goes sideways when Kira Knightley shows up here. And, and, and I want to make it clear. It's not because it's a, a strong, independent woman. It just, it doesn't match this character. The fact that a medical doctor is going to come in and start doing some spy shit. It feels off for the character. She's not even that strong. She's all worried about her man cheating. Never mind the fact that she walks into a, like a Russian hotel room and there's a gun and sitting on there. She's still thinking it involves another woman. I'm like, okay. Yeah. What exactly is he doing? 
doing with the gun to cheat on him? Um, no. Again, I get that it's a funny joke. You're right. True Lies was masterful in the way that they made a romantic comedy around the spy game. This ain't True Lies. There's two ways I think you could play this better. The first would be, and it's still shades of True Lies, but... Jack is partnered with a female CIA agent posing as his fiance, and then you have a spy doing spy work, and then the real girlfriend gets jealous. Okay, but at least then you have a real spy going on spy work, not Kevin Costner being like, okay, medical doctor, you're now going to dinner and you're going to seduce the Russian mobster. There is a female on the team. There's this Amy Chang. She doesn't mm-hmm. get much screen time, but you they could do exactly what you're saying, Arnie. Yes, or you could make Kathy, you're rebooting. You don't have to follow the books. Why can't Kathy work at the Wall Street firm and go with him on the audit or at least have a smarter reason to be there or have her be a CIA agent herself, part of Harper's team, and then build up that attraction, maybe in this one movie, maybe over the first few movies in the series, assuming you think you're getting that many. But there are so many better ways you could approach having the girlfriend also be the partner than to just have a medical doctor show up in Russia, find a gun, be told he's in the CIA, still think he's cheating, and then have her go along on the mission. Doesn't it take something away from being a shadow recruit like Jack? You got to get your PhD and work at Wall Street for 10 years before you're going to get your first major case. Kathy, no, you're just in. We're just going to tell you everything right now because you showed up in Moscow. Like, it takes the whole immediacy from being a shadow recruit away. Like, it's just like, oh, whoever shows up could be part of the CIA now. I judge Costner very harshly on that decision. The fact that he's <laughs> going to allow that to go forward is a huge blight. You, I'm like, well, you get whatever you get out of this mission then. If you guys are going to totally screw this pooch. And there's a lot of techno babble. I didn't quite follow it. Why do they need Ryan to do the hack when they got other agents there? Harper's there. He called out Amy Chang. She's there. Like, why do they need Ryan to go in to do the hack? They have so many people in there that they can like... There's a dude at the front desk checking security. Yes. I understand he's... Again, they anoint him the only man that understands the economics. But this is hacking. This is putting something on a thumb drive. Well, he's hacking it, but only he would recognize the files he needs. Maybe. I'm trying to be generous. Mm, It looks like he just downloads everything, but okay. (laughs) I'm trying to help the movie, and what it's telling me is that he's the magical guy. Yeah, that's kind of what I got out of it, too, is that he is the one, like Neo, who has to read this data. But I was very upset that you have a security guard who would have a key to everywhere in the building. That's the thing about security guards. There's no place they can't get in case of a fire, in case of a break-in. This security guard is a CIA agent who could just walk right into Chevron's office and plug in this thing that needs to be plugged into an electrical outlet to hack the system. But no, they're going to pickpocket Chevron so that they can get his wallet so that Jack Ryan can steal his code key so that the CIA agent can then let him in anyway, even though the the facial scan doesn't match. So why did he need the code key? Couldn't he swipe a MasterCard and the guard just let him in? I mean, seriously. And then get up there and all of this, the spies coming up. 
It makes no sense. I'm actually finding more logic in Kira Knightley seducing Kenneth Branagh than I am in Jack Ryan running into this building. Yeah, diagnosing his psoriasis, like, <laughs> yeah. It's always a turn on, right? You're stage three, aren't you? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm so intrigued. It's a really weird romance. Now we're having a real conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a weird scene. I, here's the thing. I can't help thinking about other spy movies as I watch this. I'm like, oh yeah, if this were a Mission Impossible movie, if this were Tom Cruise, he would be dangling on a wire and it would all be about the stunt work of how he's going to get in there. We always appreciate that so much. If it were James Bond, Skyfall, I remember they made this really gorgeous thing with neon lights and an assassin when he's creeping into this building after hours and it was really moody and noir. Like each spy franchise has their own take on this moment where how do we make the hack happen? And here it feels like a clumsy romantic comedy take on it. The fact that they're going to involve Kathy and make it all about her being escorted to bathrooms and charming him really just makes this feel like sitcom. Yeah, take all the illogic plausibility away from this whole hack scene. Is it exciting to watch? Like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't feel like a Mission Impossible film. It doesn't feel like James Bond. It feels so rote. It's like, we're going to go in and hack this thing. And then we got Harper with a, a sniper gun taking a few shots. Like, it's not even exciting. He doesn't get away. That Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, they just find him and he pretends he's like, oh, I'm still on my drunken walk. And because, what, he was able to get the wallet out of his pocket and back into Cherevin's pocket. Like, oh, I guess we're just going to let you go now. And to Arnie's point, I mean, you were saying... I think he understands that he's a CIA agent by the morning. Would you ever let him out of your sight? Would you let him go walking so that he could break into your building? Would you not have a tail on him always? This feels incredibly sloppy a Branagh's character to allow all of this to go on. And in fact, the head of his security is like, yeah, you're always doing this. You're all about vodka and women and, and screwing it. And he and, and Branagh's response is just to shoot him. So I don't know. It's goofy. I did like Branagh shooting him. It's because he dissed his dead son, who, who we're supposed to think is dead at this point, even though we've seen some stuff going on in Dearborn, Michigan. Well, I do think he's dead. I That fooled me. I did not, I did not predict what was going on there. I was really confused. I thought the son was going to show up up and then they say the son is dead and then they say the son is a sleeper agent in the states and chevron faked his death and none of that really seems to matter even more confusing while he's talking about oh i lost my dead son motivator for all that i'm doing against america he talks about how he was in the war and blew up his leg or something from a grenade that's on his desk i'm like how did it blow up your leg if you have it in a glass case like very weird i thought it was just a replica yeah, I thought it was just another bomb of that same type. Oh, okay. But I, and I also thought they were trying to make, you know, Pine and Brana's character, you know, mere images of each other. Because we talked about the Percocet that Ryan dealt with. And when we go to Chevron, when we first see him, he's like, I thought they were shooting him up with heroin or something. But maybe it's just chemo treatment. Oh, I, I think he is a drug abuser. I do. I think that that was the idea is that he is hooked on his own drugs. And again, Russian mafia, they probably deal it and it's all around. And I don't think that he's just taking medicine for his chemotherapy or, or whatever treatment they're doing for his cirrhosis. That's what I thought. 
I actually think he has cirrhosis of the liver because he's abused his body so much with drugs. That's what I figured, yeah. He's Russian. It's vodka that he's destroyed it with. But I thought the injection was specifically because of the cirrhosis, not the cirrhosis was because of the injection. Ah, who can say? Again, it feels like maybe even they had different ideas and rewrites happen. There are multiple writers on this credited. So, again, test audiences might have been unhappy with something. It would have been easy to snip a scene here or there and suddenly we have a different reading and they let ryan and kathy go only to like attack their safe house a cia safe house like that seems much more dangerous than just grabbing them right there in the open and throwing them in a van and okay you said you thought this was a mission impossible film i think it is because when chevron kidnaps kathy and Jack Ryan is literally running on his feet after a van. He's doing the Tom Cruise run. He's karate chopping that air for speed. Uh, is that Tom Cruise? You've always called that Tom Cruise's run. Yes, he does the karate chop run. That's Jason Bourne's run, too. I mean, I think that they it's its the spy run. It's Tom Cruise. Trust me, Stuart. He did it first. he He's the most famous one that does it. It gets mentioned every time he does it. It's such a staple. So Mission Impossible 1 was 96. But did he run in that movie? I don't remember the run in that movie. Yes, and he karate chopped the air. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> then then everyone owes Tom Cruise that debt. But I, <laughs> I associate it as the Bourne. And again, he with the haircut and everything, Pine is really kind of looking like Matt Damon. I really feel like they're channeling that. But this is where I get out, off the boat. Like, okay, Kathy, you've been a problem throughout all of this. He's going to make you eat a light bulb? Yeah, he's going to Uncle Fester her and stick a light bulb in her mouth. Like, <laughs> Look, that sounds awful, the, the dust of glass in your lungs and all that. But it's also funny when you just hear a villain like, I know how to make her open her mouth and I'm going to stick a light bulb in there. It's not even a high wattage light bulb he's got with him. I guess you want those fluorescent <laughs> ones that just shatter. No, it's fluorescence because they're poisonous. Yes, they got the mercury in them. Yeah, I do not buy this as a moment of terror. It ends up comically turning in on itself and looking fairly foolish. And that Jack Ryan ends up just kind of like, I don't know, ramming something into the car and it just stops and everyone lets him drag her away without the light bulb. I don't know. I'm so not into this movie. Here's what I notice. When she's in the van and Kenneth Branagh is going to shove a light bulb in her mouth, she's like duct taped around the shoulders and bound. And when he pulls her out of the truck, she's not bound at all. There's like some duct tape around her wrists, but she can move just fine. <laughs> There's like three goons in there. What are they doing? Is everyone on their Game Boy? Like, I think they all died when he like he hit the van. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people need to be involved. Like, we've just hijacked a woman and hit a CIA safe house. We really need to, like, do like our job. <laughs> like, this is what the Russian guy pays us to do. But yeah, it's very easy for this analyst to suddenly become Jason Bourne, Ethan Hunt, you name it, but become that spy trope and just, yeah, handily grab her away from danger. It's, they make it too easy. It should, it's never that easy for those spies. They always have to hang off the back of something and do a remarkable stunt. And where's Pine's moment? And Pine is obviously not doing his own stunts. He's not driving himself. He doesn't do a lot of action. He doesn't have Bourne's moves. He didn't train like Matt Damon to do this stuff. 
he didn't hang off a building like Tom Cruise. I just find these action scenes completely lackluster because they're not doing big level stunts. Then when they're doing them, I don't feel like Pine is really the one doing them sometimes. Look, Tom Cruise is his own creature, and and if other actors don't want to make the commitment that he does, I can respect that. I don't want to hang off an airplane either. That seems like (laughs) a very bad thing to do. But yes, once you have seen somebody deliver that kind of action, and then you see the imitator, and this is what they got, a light bulb sticking out of the girlfriend while she's dragged (laughs) out of a Land Rover, it's just not the same thing. Well, what they do next really blows my mind, because we're going to go back into Jack Ryan and analyst mode you know there's this terrorist and i guess before they could dump all their stock in the dollar they got to have a terrorist attack to distract everyone well no i think the idea is america is already in a bad economic state and that if you suddenly devalue the currency at the same time that you blow them up then everyone won't buy into America. I think it's just a way of soiling our name. Okay, I I thought it was supposed to be a distraction because they're like, we can't start running the algorithm until the terrorist attack. I'm really stunned because I know we have cut to sleeper agents in this movie that are in the States and we've seen them, you know, be activated and begin their mission and all of that. I mean, there's a dead FBI agent in, in Michigan and it feels like that has no repercussion on this plot. No, but I didn't know they had a bomb and it wasn't until around this point in the movie where ryan's like we have to stop the terror attack i'm like wait there's also a terror attack in addition to an economic attack and this is where we see him do a bunch of analytical stuff like they figure out he's in pennsylvania for reasons but the topper is that kathy's like the one to figure out the final clue like they even take that away from the analyst yeah all of this muddle is really i agree the movie is lost I was with this movie. I was with this movie as imperfect as it was until they pulled out that light bulb. And ever since then, (laughs) it really is like, boy, that's the only light bulb in this movie. There are no ideas. Like they're surfing Facebook and being like, well, he must be in Manhattan because he's got some pictures of Manhattan on his cell phone or something. And he must be the son of Chevron because like... He must. (laughs) What is Jack Ryan's skill? I thought he was a finance person, but now he's running from computer to computer and like (laughs) Sherlock Holmesing the shit. Yeah, cross-referencing phone numbers and everything. Yes. (laughs) Now, here's something to ask. He's probably no more stupid than Dom in a Fast and Furious sequel, but we don't ask the same thing. Is part of the problem that we expect this movie to be smart and it's aspiring to be Fast and the Furious? Here's the thing. I wish this was the Fast and the Furious. If Jack Ryan like had to chase a tank with a sports car, it'd be amazing. But yeah, it, it's supposed to be smart and it's too dumb, but it's not dumb enough where I could just kind of like enjoy it as a, a silly action film. And the Fast and the Furious have better stunts and bigger stunts. If Jack Ryan was jumping from one tower in Dubai to another tower in Dubai, I wouldn't be thinking so much about the stupidity of the plot because I'd be like, all right, that's really cool. Unbelievable as hell and certainly not realistic, but kind of cool. I would probably not like a movie that totally dumbed down Jack Ryan. I appreciate that they're still trying to have him do analysis. So you don't like this one? 
Well, no, no. I mean, I I feel like if they had really gotten crazy with yeah him dangling off tanks and what have you. I don't know. I feel like when we get to this end chase scene and he's on this motorcycle, like at one point he does this like jump on the motorcycle. I'm like, oh, okay. Like that's where they just lost me. I'm like, no, this this analyst is not doing motorcycle stunts at this point. Yeah, that's where it was obviously not him. Was when he's riding sideways on a cement divider for construction (laughs) and i'm realizing this film once they get back to new york and the team goes away they never focused much on the team but they were all distinct looking and i liked that they all worked together very quickly and i would have liked more of the team and less of kira knightley's implausible character here But once they get back to New York and Kira Knightley's gone, the team is gone, and eventually even Kevin Costner is gone as Jack Ryan alone can figure out that there's smeared paint on a van. (laughs) Smeared paint. It's almost as dumb as a ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's such a big part of, like, the Bourne movie that, like, Clive Owen's sniper person was an equal foil for Bourne. Again, you want to feel like this guy that he's chasing is just as good as he is. And, like, barely had any time with him. Seems like he has to do it because his dad told him to. He doesn't even feel like a committed anarchist. Like, he killed an FBI agent with a cool gold dagger, but I have no idea why. I don't know how he benefited from that. Everything about his story feels even more abbreviated than Jack Ryan's story. And so, yeah, there's no ending. They don't have an ending because there's no villain to fight. They have some kid in a van doing wheelies underneath Wall Street. And that's just not an ending. That's not what we were building to at all. And Kenneth Branagh is surprisingly absent from this climax. He's sitting there and there's somebody on the phone. You should sell now, sir. Wait, (laughs) wait. (laughs) I think Wall Street would be closed if the bomb squad were there evacuating everyone. Yeah, isn't this a Dark Knight Rises situation? Like, uh, Bane breaks into Wall Street. Are you going to really hold Bruce Wayne accountable for some stock trades? They said to him, they're about to stop trading. Would you like to sell now? Wait, Wait, (laughs) it was like early in the morning. 9 a.m. No, they were going to stop trading because of the terror attack. I mean, keep in mind, there are now, after 9-11, there are new laws about stopping trading. If the market drops too far, they stop trading. If there's a bomb outside the building, I think they stop trading. Yeah, if it blows up, they stop trading. But if he didn't accomplish the terror attack... From what I understand Jack Ryan to be telling me, even if the terror attack didn't happen, if Chevron did all of the selling of his assets, he'd still really hurt the states. So why not still sell? I don't understand the strategy and won't pretend that it has much water, but I will accept the idea that they're telling me. I mean, it would be a big deal if Wall Street blew up, but it's also worth pointing out that Wall Street isn't what it used to be. A lot, there's no centralized banking anymore. They they learned after 9-11 and a lot of people remote trade. So having a street where all of that activity is happening, you'd be surprised how little of that is happening on Wall Street anymore. But okay, the movie's conceit is that everything that America does financially happens on this block. This block is about to be blown up. And then after Wall Street blows up, all of the currency is dumped and considered devalued. That would be the end of America, I guess. Okay, I will accept you on that for a dumb climax. But what I won't accept is the fight that we get. Yeah, Jack Ryan deserved a better 
conclusion. At one point, he's driving the van, gets up, it's still accelerating, and he's walking to the back and beating up on the guy. He's put it in cruise control and used the seat belt to keep the steering wheel straight. Oh, I missed that. Okay, all right. So there is a reason. I was like, this is very bizarre that the car keeps driving without a driver. <laughs> I actually have had this recurring nightmare that I am driving two cars down a highway and I have to keep jumping from one to the other, but they're both on <laughs> cruise control. So this reminded me very much of my recurring nightmare. This movie is a nightmare. <laughs> it is an added ending. The original ending was that they would just go below Wall Street and have a knife fight because they thought they had established a character who had this really cool gold knife. He had a gold knife? Yeah, yeah. That was what he used to kill the FBI agent. Yeah, it had a cool handle. Yeah. It looked very Rambo-ish. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was like brass knuckles, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And so it ended up in his throat and he washed away. And that was the ending. And test audiences said, nah. So this all extra with the CGI explosion was an attempt to make the ending feel bigger because they did not arrive at an ending that maybe it addresses this terrorist plot, but it does not make Jack Ryan a good agent. It just, again, smeared paint and battling off the back of trucks and it's this is just bad. And then it's just kind of over. Yeah, Chevron gets shot by a... Olympic gymnast. It has the same ending as the Affleck one. The bad guys get assassinated. He was going to die in three months very painfully. This is like a mercy killing. Yeah, it doesn't have much stakes. What else would he expect if he failed this bad? And yeah, you're right. It is the ending of last week because also we find out that Jack and Kathy are finally engaged. Don't know why it took so long. But the point was he can now tell her that he's a CIA agent because, well, oh, oops, that already happened. I don't know why. <laughs> and yeah, it has something to do with Waterloo and a painting of Waterloo. I didn't understand that. <laughs> no, no. Well, that was the bomb underneath was the Waterloo attack plan. But I guess Chevron never realized Napoleon lost at Waterloo that <laughs> having your Waterloo is not a good thing. Yeah, I've got my new boat, the Titanic. Do you love it? You want to go on a maiden voyage? No, no, I'm good. Like the last movie, Arnie, you're right. They do want to bring us back into Jack Ryan's personal life. They're engaged. And so, you know, he's now wearing a wedding band now that he's sitting outside the Oval Office with Costner about to brief an unseen POTUS about something. I thought he was being congratulated, like, you saved America, son. Well, he has classified documents with him. He's out of the shadows. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, something is right. <laughs> mm. Well, let's find out what thing that is. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Jack Ryan shadow recruit Jacob? Back when we reviewed John Wick, I noted that there was this trend around this time. John Wick came out in 2014, same year as this film. The movie name, it's going to be the name of the dude. Like the Bourne Identity films became Jason Bourne. We had John Wick. I love Jack Reacher, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Well, that's, yes. Well, I'm getting there next. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll talk about Jack. We never got an Ethan Hunt film, but we got Jack Reacher, Tom Cruise. And we got Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. And so here's the thing, like, they're going to take everything special away from Jack Ryan, being this nerdy analyst, and let's 
Like, to me, that is the draw, is let's take this slow burn, more realistic approach. And they're going to try to shove him into all these different boxes. So is Jack Ryan a Jason Bourne? No, Jason Bourne's got way better choreography in those films. They're, they're just more exciting. It's better action. This doesn't have that action. Same with John Wick, like that gun fu and just the, the crazy world that those films build. That's not in this one. And Jack Reacher. We haven't talked about those films. I've seen both of them. I really like the first one. Like, it, it's a good thriller action film with Tom Cruise as this ex-military guy that's piecing together. He does more analysis in that film than Jack Ryan ever does in this film. Like, putting clues together. And it, it's really fun to watch him do all that stuff. And then it's got great action as well. Are you saying the second one isn't as good? Because I love that first one, but I haven't seen the second yet. Yeah, the second one, it, it, yeah, it, it didn't have the same appeal. It, it's fine, but... So you're telling me I should never go back? <laughs> Perhaps not. Jack Reacher I thought was fine, but if you really liked it, you might like the second one more than me. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. Okay, so maybe you should check it out. May recommend for Arnie. <laughs> So this Jack Ryan, like, you know, we've talked about James Bond. He never got a film called James Bond, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's all these other action stars. So if this isn't going to do what's special to the Tom Clancy character, analyst piecing clues together with all this political intrigue, and they're going to force this to be an action film, I don't know what this brings to it because it doesn't do anything near as good as Bourne, Wick, Reacher, Ethan Hunt, James Bond, any of those that we associate with, with this kind of storytelling. And, and that is the big problem. Again, remove my bias from this equation like I had to do with the sum of all fears, and you're left with yet a, a, a pretty mediocre, stupid action film that I don't see a whole lot of appeal to. I, I could see why there's not a sequel to this one. So yeah, once again, Jack Ryan is not going to get a recommend from me. Stuart. Yeah, you know, I thought it was going to be a home run because I thought the, the strategy of just taking the character of Jack Ryan, but removing all the geopolitics of Tom Clancy would make this easy to do. I'm cool with him just saying, let's graft a Jason Bourne story, make a knockoff, and we can make this work. We've got talented people and a known built-in audience for the Tom Clancy world. It should have worked. It should have been the best of the series, because frankly, I haven't loved any of the Jack Ryan movies, but... It only kind of works in the beginning. I'm going to stand by the fact that when he's stranded in Moscow, I do feel like the early scenes have a lot of intrigue, and then we get the light bulb. And when we get the light bulb, it all just <laughs> shatters. It really does. Don't Uncle Fester your movie. I, th I think that's the lesson to learn here. I don't feel like Kira Knightley's very good. Chris Pine is not as confident in this role as he was with Kirk. But I'm really going to lay most of the problem here with Branagh. Who knows? Maybe even those Shakespeare movies aren't good. You know, maybe the Emperor has no clothes. We thought he was going to be this major talent. But when I think about the history of the movies that he's put out, he makes these really hammy, over-the-top movies that are full of themselves. It doesn't help that I saw the commentary track and he's making comparisons to Hamlet while all this garbage is going on during the screen. <laughs> but I just feel like, yeah, this is a very generic, very unimpressive movie from someone who really feels like they make art and I don't get it. I don't know why this failed, but it certainly did. And yeah, it's just not good enough to keep going forward in this direction. I'm not surprised there's no sequel, but maybe not as angry as Jacob. I will say it's a weak not recommend as opposed to Venom. <laughs> yeah, it's just flat out not recommend. Not a strong one. Okay. But yeah, I got a little Venom. I'll, I'll say that. Tom Hardy was better in Venom than Chris Pine in this. Yeah, I wasn't talking about that, but okay, yeah. We, we can bring up any action movie and it sounds like you feel like it's better than this one. Yeah, this is a kind of a poor action film. I'm going to say that it was a very 
unmemorable experience. I now challenge Jacob to a review of Red Heat. Wow. <laughs> I've seen Red Heat. <laughs> Action Jackson? I mean, there are worse ones than this. <laughs> I don't remember Action Jackson. Red Heat, I remember, had some good puns in it, but... Dolph has Red Scorpion. <laughs> I'd watch Dolph, Dolph all over the Punisher again before I watch this. And I can't really add to what you guys said. We all saw the same movie. I was with this movie for the first half. I was laughing at how fast, you know, it was uh, Cliff Notes on the 4th of July for the prologue. And then I was kind of into it as I was trying to wrap my head around the logic of the CIA hiring somebody to go work for somebody else. I think that's a waste of my tax dollars. But okay, I was still going with it. I liked it when he got to Russia. The action began. I was a little iffy, but I was okay with it. I realized what they were trying to do. Then Kira Knightley showed up and I'm like, okay, this is dumb, but I'm still enjoying the film when Jack Ryan is breaking into that building and those paramilitary security guards for the company are coming up the stairs and Kevin Costner is sniping them. I'm having fun. But then we get back to New York and the stupid motherfucking ending. And I was wavering all the way up to the bomb chase. I was wavering between recommend and not recommend because I thought this movie had some good things going for it. I like Kenneth Branagh and Kevin Costner in this film. I think both of them give good performances. I think Chris Pine is kind of playing Kirk or the same role in that Reese Witherspoon spy in love movie. Remember that one? No. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I, I couldn't compare. I Chris Pine's a good actor. He's just had unfortunate roles. He's a movie star. I don't see him as an actor. I've never seen him transform for any role. Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water, yeah. Watch that. Yeah. Okay. I will go see that, and maybe I, my opinion will change. Good film. But This Means War, Star Trek, Wonder Woman, this... Horrible Bosses 2. He was in Horrible Bosses 2? Yeah. I just always kind of see the same guy. So, but I liked the two older leads here, but that ending was just so dumb. It pushed it into weak, not recommend territory. Yep. That's exactly my experience. I've tried to give it every benefit of the doubt, but in the end, it just wouldn't let me. It just wouldn't let me embrace this movie. And I guess that's the way audiences feel. I was watching it and like halfway to three quarters of the way through the film, I'm like, the guy's going to give me shit because I'm going to recommend this. You know, it's not the greatest, but I'm having fun. It's, you know, a little stupid, but the good's outweighing the bad. I'm having a good time. And then that ending comes and I'm just like, the light bulb. It's the light bulb. I'm telling (laughs) you, the light bulb went in her mouth and I went, I'm never going to not think of you saying that they were going to Uncle Fester now. They were. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I think with all of these Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan films, I mean, look, Clear and Present Danger, I, I think that is the best one. Sorry if that's blasphemous towards Hunt for Red October, but like not a great film, but I, I felt that was the most entertaining. It wasn't Russia. It, you, we got to see some analysis going on. It had some all right action going on in it without it trying to turn it into an action film like this one. And then Hunt for Red October, like those are the ones I like the most. I, again, neither I would consider great films, but with these three, it, it's when Patriot Games and some of all fears i feel and then this one i feel like when they try to do more action and and try to make that more of the focus i don't know it just doesn't work as well for me and for me my absolute favorite is clear and present danger 
And coming into this, I would have been shocked if you would have told me that a Harrison Ford one was going to be my favorite. Yeah, my, my memory was I didn't like those Harrison Ford ones. Close behind it, though, is some of all fears, truthfully. Before Red October? Yeah. Red October, I would rather have a poorly drawn villain than a cook out of nowhere. That really bummed that film out for me. Wow, it's, it's really that chef that ruins it for you. <laughs> yes. So, Hunt for Red October is third, but, I mean, I liked it. Patriot Games fourth, and Shadow Recruit last. Now, you know, I think I'm hearing it from you guys, too. None of these movies light my fire. Like, none of... You don't have to see any of them. You really don't. Actually, Clear and Present Danger and Some of All Fears, both... I mean, those are not weak recommends. They are solid recommends for me. Okay. We're all saying the same thing, though. Clear and Present Danger... You know what? It's on the same level. I won't say it's better, but since if I have to put one first, Clear and Present Danger, Hunt for Red October, right there at the top. They're the ones that have, again, the wise mentality of putting Jack Ryan paired with someone equally or more interesting than him. You have to give Jack Ryan something to write about. He's an analyst. He himself is not interesting. So if you don't have that other figure, then it's not going to work. And that is the problem with the other movies. Some of all fears I gave a pass to. It's much lesser than the other two I just mentioned. And then Shadow Recruit. For me, Patriot Games was the absolute wash. I just did not like that film at all. Wow. No, see, with, with the three I didn't like, I just went with which actors do I like the most? Like Harrison Ford? Chris Pine and then Ben Affleck. Like, that's how I kind of react to those films. Like, who would I want to see on screen the most? That's, yeah, I don't like any of them, though, those last three. John Krasinski, I'm telling you, my favorite Jack Ryan. I only watched the first two episodes, but I'm going to keep watching. I wanted to give that a taste. And John Krasinski is like the perfect mix of nerdy and buff to play this character as an analyst going overseas and investigating. Yeah, I think A Quiet Place kind of recontextualized Krasinski because before that he was Jim from The Office. But I think having both of those in your head when you watch the Amazon series, and I watched both seasons, all of them, you just watched the first two, I'd be interested to see what you think after you finish season one because I'd say uh, cut out half the episodes. But I, I do think that's the right actor. He does feel like a nerd, but, you know, they got the budget to do some good action scenes in that series. I, again, I, I like the first season more than the second. The second one's weird because, like, Cat Kathy, like, she's, like, a big part of the first season. She goes away. Like, the actress isn't even there. I don't know what happened in that second season. I saw them both. I felt like it was... I didn't know we were all going to watch it, so that's cool. I just... I was the one reading the books. I figured, oh, there's one more iteration of the character. I agree. If you're going to watch any of them, above Clear and Present Danger, I think it's the Amazon series. You, they have the time, over eight episodes, to tell the plot. And, yeah, you get to know the characters... It still feels like Clancy, but they make it contemporary. All I can say is both Marjorie and I were sucked into the first two episodes to the point, and there's so few episodes per season. Yeah, eight episodes, they're about 45 minutes each. Yeah, it's, it's a very manageable series, for, and I like that they do kind of the 24 thing with the, from what I can tell from the first two episodes, the arc of a story per season, so you get more detail and more intrigue than you could get in any of these two-hour movies. 
And just from performance on the first two episodes, I say Krasinski is the best performer in embodying Jack Ryan. I will say season two, he it, he feels much more like Jack Bauer than Jack Ryan. Again, I don't know what happened with season two. That Kathy's gone. He's a, a lot meaner in that one. Yeah, I mean, he's just to jump ahead. I would say I actually like that development because he went from being an analyst to being someone more higher up. And I think the idea is if you rise in the CIA, you become a little bit more corrupted. You get a little bit more blood on your hands. And Kathy, I never miss her. Again, I like the no. fact that they just say, you know what, why don't we have him be a bachelor and he can sleep with the babe in season two and and we don't have to have it all be about family at home. And I did read it. It must be popular enough. They were doing a season three until COVID hit and had a halt production, but I guess there will be a third season. Right. And of course, there is a new movie. Let us not forget, we have been building up to a sixth theatrical film. Are there new movies this year? I mean, I didn't say this year, and I don't know if the theaters will exist. I just know that we initially started this because we knew in October it was planned that without remorse... The sixth book in the Ryanverse, as it's called, is going to be made into a movie, but it doesn't have Jack Ryan. It is Clark, it is Willem Dafoe, it is Liev Schreiber, only he is now being played by Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I'm guessing they're going to go with uh, Iraq, Afghanistan veteran instead of Vietnam vet, like in the original novel. I'm just starting the book, I will read it. God help me, it's another big one. Oh, I thought it was pretty breezy. It's much more pulpy, I felt, than some of the other novels of his I read. Okay, yeah, it seems like a Rambo story. He's a Vietnam vet. Yeah, no, it it, it starts off as like a Punisher story and then turns into Rambo. Yeah. Now I want to read it. Well, (laughs) happily I'll hand it to you, but I've gone this far. I have to, what's what's another 700 pages? But anyway, we'll see when that comes out. But I do like Michael B. Jordan, and I do feel like, yeah, someone could deliver a fresh take on this universe. There is yet to be a great film made from a Tom Clancy project, and and maybe this will be the one to do it. It's also worth pointing out... uh, Rainbow Six, which was a book as well as video games, they are planning that to have some kind of movie at some point. Does that go in the Jack Ryan retrospective or the video game retrospective then? It was a book first by like a week. Oh, okay. Does that count? Like they came out pretty much at the same time. So maybe we have four hosts on that one. I don't know. We'll see if it happens. And before we go, I want to give a shout out to some of our patrons. Again, our high level patrons, Chris Josh, teacher needs a drink. (laughs) (laughs) They all do. My wife's a teacher. That's very true. They all do. And they deserve them. (laughs) Andrew Doran, Tartan Spartan, Maddie B, John, Jacob Music 418. That's not me. (laughs) No, J-A-C-O-B. You're K-O-B. Okay. Why why 418 and not 420? Come on. (laughs) I'm wondering if it's his uh, area code? D Peters VS. And Active Chic 573, thank you all for your support. And for people like Active Chic 573, I'm assuming that's something Podbean just assigned you. I have added a link to our donation page right above where we thank all of our patrons, where you can go and enter your Podbean username, enter your real name, and we'll get it updated on our site. So you can do that, and then we can thank you more personally. Yeah, but thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you to every single one of our patrons, be you a $1 supporter or a 
$25 supporter or an even higher supporter, thank you so much for your support of our show. It means that we can keep doing it, and it means the world to us. Absolutely. It means that we can get through the Sleepaway Camp movie nobody wants to talk about. Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor. Oh, so by Survivor, they're talking about old footage that survived (laughs) that they could piece together. Yeah, from what I understand, they ran out of money, and there's only like 12 minutes of original footage (laughs) in this whole thing. They had no money then if they only had 12 minutes. Yeah, but we'll review it because, you know, we get the love from you guys and it gives us the inspiration to make a whole show about shit like that. And next week, we thought we'd be going to theaters with Tenet, but cooler heads have prevailed, I guess, and everything is pushed back a little bit further. So we look to the king of horror for content again. Oh, what quality Stephen King film will we be discussing? Right. Uh, as I mentioned the last time, we're, we're to another short story anthology. So that means two movies. I think uh, A Sweet and a Sour. In two weeks, we get Secret Window with Johnny Depp. I hear that one's pretty good. But next week, The Langoliers. Oh, that's the sweet. Okay. <laughs> that's the really good one, right? It's got Bronson Pinchot and that guy from Quantum Leap who isn't Scott Bakula. <laughs> I didn't know there was someone else. I, I guess the computer guy, the hologram. Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Yeah, I have a horrifying memory of turning that on the TV in the mid-90s. Just being incredulous, really. Oh, I've seen the CGI. That's all I've seen, but I, yes. It's enough to turn you off. In my mind, it is the worst Stephen King TV miniseries of all time. It really will have to work hard to be worse than The Shining. I mean, if that's CGI and they throw in that line, kissing, kissing, I know what I've been missing. Mwah! Comedy gold. Admittedly, I did say The Shining was more entertaining to watch than The Tommyknocker, so it's neck and neck. But The Shining is the worst. It's just you can laugh at it, whereas Tommyknockers had nothing. But this definitely will have some stuff we can laugh at. I remember it not being totally awful, though. I just remember the second night falling apart. Oh, okay. I remember pretty much everything being awful all the time. But again, things are awful now. So why don't we all celebrate that with a trashy Stephen King adaptation next week? Who needs Christopher Nolan? Pshaw, why would I want to see a great film? No, why do you need him when you can see something written and directed by Tom Holland? Spider-Man? The guy who did Child's Play and Fright Night. Oh, that Tom Holland. <laughs> I mean, look, can, can we not claim that Langoliers saved television? Television's still going since it aired, so... And Tom Holland, we did review thinner than he did. Oh, so we're in for, yeah, a lot of quality around this. Okay. I'm telling you, there are just things that I remember, and hopefully you're right. Hopefully Tommy Knockers is worse, but I don't think so. All right, well, listeners, we hope that you will join us next week as we return to King. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. Until next time, I'm sorry, Mr. President, we don't dance. Stop the launch sequence. Last order here. Flash override. Stop the sequence. Stop the sequence. Order the planes to stand down. Tickets to DEFCON 3. Would somebody ask Mr. Ryan if I can use the phone now? Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. Anyway, you can get that Boy Scout on a field trip look off your face? Not a chance. That's what I like about you. We hope you've enjoyed the show. A great day, comrades. 
we sail into history. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. So, you feel like a movie this weekend? Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. He's listening to it on his headsets, and he's just happy as a clam. And then all hell breaks loose. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Reciprocity. That's a clever name for it. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. When the world trembled at the sound of our rockets, they will tremble again at the sound of our silence. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. I want the money in my account before I move an inch. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. You're either with us or you're against us, Jimmy Boy. Make up your mind. Oh, I'm with you. That's all I wanted to hear. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Oh, did they hit anybody's Instagram, Facebook, Hopscotch, Reddit, no, anything? No, none. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. When's the last time you slept? Wow. Associate produced by Jason Latham. If you disregard my counsel, if you keep running your business the way you have been, with your balls instead of your head, two things will happen. I'll quit, and you'll get killed. Now Playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. Like Beethoven on the computer, you have labored to produce. Now Playing credits read by Brock. And a voice cried out from heaven, saying, It is done. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I said, speak your mind, Jack, but Jesus. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. I don't imagine the boys on the hill have proved this. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. But the day that I sell out my countrymen will be the day that I put a bullet through my own head. 
Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2020, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Welcome to the new world, sir. And this is the co-host who thinks himself a poet, but perhaps I'm just touchy, Jacob. <laughs> so, Tom Cran- Crancy? Crancy. <laughs> Tom Crancy. <laughs> I've been to Paris. I'd probably rather go to Moscow now because I haven't been there. Probably not the same era of romanticism, though, as Paris. And <laughs> eh, any place is romantic if you make it. I've been to Baltimore, you know. <laughs> So, wow, you must be quite the lover if you can make that romantic. <laughs> Hell, I made Reno romantic, and that wow. place is awful. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I think because of the quiet game, it kind of recontextualized him as just more than Jim from The Office. Quiet place. What's that? Quiet place. Oh, quiet place. <laughs> yeah, mix that with the crying game for some reason. <laughs> the crying game? <laughs> he was in that one? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I don't know why I mixed those two movies up. Thank you for joining me. Until next time. Something about dancing. Yeah. I don't dance. I can't dance. I know. I'm singing Genesis now. (laughs) (laughs) I can't dance. Remember that one? Yes. Uh, The uh, takedown of models because uh, they thought that was right there with I'm Too Sexy. (laughs) Yeah, it was their version of I'm Too Sexy. Red, I guess you two liked Red. I liked Red, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't recommend the first one. I recommended the sequel. Oh, then I was the lone supporter of that first one. I thought it was three Reds. <laughs> uh, Stuart was giving me so much shit for giving uh, Red a red arrow and Red 2 a green arrow. He thought it was like performance art, I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, that's because the second one's so bad. <laughs> no, the first one was enjoyable. Yeah, I thought I was the only one to Green Arrow the sequel, but I may be wrong. I don't know. No, I Green Arrow the sequel. Cool.